just obey from the manger as some groups teach. Right. The same was in the beginning with God. And of course, <coughs> uh, we read of how Christ created everything. We're familiar with the creation account, how God created the earth and it was without form and void and every day he brought uh, order out of the chaos. John 1, 3, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Now somebody may say, now wait a minute, pre uh, Teacher, what about your podium there? Didn't some man make this podium? A man built this podium, that's true, but made from what? Wood? Well, where did the wood come from? A tree? A tree created by who? God, one way or the other. Everything in this room came from God. Men do not invent anything. How did that, how did that story go that a man challenged God and said, God, I think I can run the universe better than you? And God said, okay. You go start your own universe. So the man got him a shovel full of dirt, and God said, hey, wait a minute, get your own dirt. Right. <laughs> so, so men can always mess things up. And under man's tutelage, we've gone down. We've devolved. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. It doesn't say a light. It is the light, the light of men. As we're going to read here in a few minutes, we get to check to the story of Noah. What was the earth in Noah's day? It was a dark place. The thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Yet what did our Lord warn us would happen at the end of this age? As it was in the days of Noah when they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. Uh, well, you just look around you, it's there. We've about, we've about closed the circle. There are right. still some saved people doing right, you know, more than eight of us. But right. we've about closed that circle. When we do, I think that's when the trump sounds, we get out of here. And uh, how does, I think it's in Luke or Matthew. God was speaking about how except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. If man was left to his own devices, he would absolutely annihilate himself, all life on this planet. Let me illustrate, I won't uh, be on this drum too long. They want to do carbon capture. You know what that is? Take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. You take out too much, all the plants will die. Mm -hmm. But if plants all die, what do we do? We all die. Right. The plants put off oxygen, keeps us alive, keeps all the animals alive. God said he's going to come and stop that before we get there. Because right. man would literally kill the earth. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Oh, no, wait, verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Lost people will tell you all the time, I don't understand you. How can you be half faith, hope, you know, love, happiness, this sort of thing? You know, how can you have it? We have it because we have Christ who indwells us. He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us when he was received up into heaven. Acts chapter 1. The Comforter did come. And, of course, the Comforter can be everywhere at once. Christ in his flesh can only be in one place at a time. He could heal at a distance like he did the centurion's servant, but he could only be in one place at a time. So verse 6, there was a man sent from God. We'll come down to verse 14, then go to Genesis chapter 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, the same claimed for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. John was not the light, you understand. He bore witness of the light. You and I are not the light. We bear witness of the light. When uh, somebody is saved, once in a while they'll get mixed up and say, the pastor saved me. You ever hear something like that? Yeah. No, the pastor didn't save you. The pastor may have led you in the sinner's prayer, but Jesus Christ saved you. Right. So always remember, we are a witness of that light. Right. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And I think today we're a little like we were in the days of Esther. For such a time as this. I think it's probably we're raised up today for such a time as this, this dark age that has befallen the earth. <clears throat> that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, 
and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. In Noah's day, they knew him not. They became so wicked and vile that God finally sent the great flood to destroy them. In Lot's day, they knew him not. God had to burn those two cities to the ground, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities of the plain because of their great wickedness. Uh, in the time of Christ, the world knew him not. In fact, later on in John, I think it's John 5, 43, uh, Christ said of himself that I come in my Father's name and ye receive me not. Another shall come in his own name. Him ye will receive. Uh, no doubt a reference to the coming Antichrist. <coughs> they'll, they'll go with him. And he'll try to, try to finish the job Hitler started by killing two-thirds of the Jews. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That is, the Jews by and large did not receive him. There were exceptions, but for the most part, they did not receive him. In fact, they broke 19 of their own laws, if I recall correctly, to crucify him. Somebody check that out for me, but I think that's what it was. <clears throat> but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You can only become a son of God through the power of Christ. You can't do it yourself. You can't gin it up. You can't keep on a bunch of fake, fake fruit, as the pastor would put it. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Somebody said that Jesus Christ has no, has no grandchildren. People sometimes say, well, my parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. That'll make you a Christian. Right. He may have a form of godliness, right. but if it denies the power thereof, what good is that? Right. A form of godliness that denies the power thereof would be like this cup if it were empty. Imagine this thing's empty. It has a little dust like we talked about a while ago. Mm -hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't quench my thirst. Having water in it, it has the power to quench my thirst. It's much appreciated. Can I get an amen on that? Verse 14. I want to come to this. This wasn't in the plan, but it's just too good to leave out. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is what the babe in the manger was about. But remember, you'll start to see a lot of sentimental gobbledygook about the babe in the manger in a couple of months. Remember, he didn't stay in that manger. Right. When he was in that manger, he was looking ahead to the cross. Right. That was all purpose and convenient. It was not to give us a touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy holiday at the end of the year. Right. It was to save us from a Christless eternity in the lake of fire. Right. And we beheld his glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what Adam and Eve looked forward to. It's what Abel looked forward to. He provided a more excellent sacrifice. And, of course, you know what happened to Abel? Talk about no good deed going unpunished. I mean, his brother really punished him and killed him. Yet he's spoken of highly there in Hebrews 11. His death, his life, and even his death was not in vain. But then, there, then we come to Noah. I want to switch back now to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. We're going to work our way up to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis 6, verse 1, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the overall result was more wickedness. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. That was true then, it's true now. This is why whenever the Holy Spirit strives with you, if you are lost, you need to call on him as Lord and Savior while the day is yet called today. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. He will not always strive with you. He did not always strive with these people. And they finally all drowned like rats one day. 
for that he is also flesh, verse 3, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. God gave these people another hundred twenty years to repent while they were still preparing the ark. I think Peter refers to this as well. While the ark was yet preparing, they had a hundred twenty years to repent and they squandered it away. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came into came in unto the daughters of men that they bare children to them the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown now not necessarily saying they were good men they were notable men possibly the basis for many of our legends our mythology you know like Greek mythology this sort of thing but they were not good men had they been good, the flood would not have been necessary. Right. Verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now we have some people here today, I trust the thoughts of your heart is not only evil continually. Yeah. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But we, do, but we are redeemed, are we not? Amen. How does that line go? I may not be what I'm supposed to be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Yes. Yeah, Amen. we can say that. You could not say that of these people in Genesis 6, 5. Yeah. And it repented the Lord, verse 6, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. God created a beautiful planet for us to live on, a perfect planet. At the end of the creation week, God saw that it was very good. The plants, the animals, when it was first created, there was no nature rid in tooth and claw. The animals got along just fine. The plants did just fine. He wasn't allergic to anything. Had to mow the yard yesterday there at my house and go go inside and blow my nose and all that business. Adam didn't have that problem. I don't think he had to mow the yard for one thing. <laughs> don't think he had a lawnmower. And even even if he had, he would have had no allergies. <laughs> but after after many centuries, man had gotten only more evil, more wicked. <clears throat> and verse seven, and the Lord said, "I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth." both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. All these things were created for man, all the plants, all the animals. So when man was judged and destroyed, his world as it then existed was also judged and destroyed. And you've heard a lot of the creation scientists, people that maybe ICR or something like that, talk about the layers laid down during the flood. Mm -hmm. And they'll point, like say, to the Grand Canyon in Arizona. Go out there and go if you ever get the chance. Yeah. And it's breathtaking. Millions of layers of rock laid down in the flood year. Not over millions of years, but one year. But then you can see that sort of thing around here. Any highway cut, you'll see that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think one of the more interesting ones is on uh, I-49 down at Pineville. The, the rock layers are actually wavy. They were laid down, they were soft, they bent, then they hardened. Mm -hmm. And you see this all over the world. Evidence of the great flood. But notice something more. But Noah, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the first time we read the phrase grace in the Bible. Uh, we don't make it to heaven by ourselves. We make it to heaven by the grace of God. Right. John 10, 29, or 28 through 30 tells us we're in the hand of the Father, and no man can pluck them out of my hand. John 10, I think it's 10, 30, tells us we're in the hand of the Son, and no man can pluck them out of my hand. Ephesians 4, 30 tells us that that we are to grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. redemption. That day is yet to come yet, isn't it? Now, if all that be true, uh, how then can you lose your salvation? The hills of Missouri is just full of this thing, get it and lose it. I used to be saved. I think I'm saved. I've been saved three times, things like that. 
Uh, no, if you're ever in the hand of the Father, the hand of the Son, they're not going to let you go, and you can't wiggle out yourself. That's right. And if you want out, you're not in. Right. It's just that simple. Right. Well, I think Noah was in, and he didn't want out. Right. He saw what the world was coming to in his day. Maybe we'll do that next week. What is this world coming to? These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. <clears throat> and Noah walked with God. Enoch had walked with God, and one day God just took him. Uh, I, I like the way one old preacher put it. He said Enoch was walking with God and <clears throat> got up kind of late in the day. Enoch said, God, I need to go home. It's time for supper. And God said, well, Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Just come home and have supper with me. And away he went. And he's still been there today. Walked with God. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I want to fast forward now to Genesis chapter 8. You're quite familiar with the flood account of how the fountains of the deep were broken up. The windows of heaven were opened. And for 40 days and 40 nights it rained like it had never rained before upon this earth. And all those who were outside the ark were slain, were destroyed in that flood. The ark is a picture of God's salvation. Noah and his family were safe inside the ark. We talked about holding out faithful to the end. Do you ever hear that sort of thing? Could you imagine Noah and his family driving pegs into the side of the ark trying to ride, ride the flood out on the outside? Well, of course not. No, they were inside the ark where they were safe. Where they were safe, where they would not be drowned in the waters of the great flood. We come now to Genesis chapter 8. And God remembered Noah and every living thing. Once in a while, somebody will say of a given locality, it is God forsaken. Well, God did not forsake Noah. Right. And he remembered every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. God remembered Noah, his family, and all the cattle, all the animals that were in the ark. There was two of every uh, animal and seven of every clean animal. We're going to see that in a minute here. The significance of those seven clean animals. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged, that is, they went down. The fountains also of the deep, and the windows of heaven were stopped, and all the rain from heaven was restrained. It stopped raining, fountains of the deep stopped, and now the floodwaters are starting to go down. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the water were abated. One hundred fifty, it's a number you don't see often in the Bible. Up to this point, the earth had, it's believed to have 30-day months, 360 days in a year. So if you take 30 times 5, you get 150. 5 is the number of death. The first obituary column you see is Genesis chapter 5. All those guys that would be 800, 900 years old, they had one thing in common. They still died. Well, now during those 150 days, all wicked men had died. All the plants and animals on the earth had died. And now it was just the ark, Noah and his family on the ark. That was it. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. So for, we've been ten months now, better part of a year. That's a long time to be cooped up in an ark. It was kind of a houseboat. So that was home. And it came to pass at the end of the forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. The raven is a hardy 
how do they put a hearty carrion eater? It'll eat anything. So he had a good time out there, all those dead animals and stuff. He had he had him involved. But the raven's not a picture of the Christian. We're not going to feast on just anything. Also, verse 8, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Later on, the dove would be symbolic of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and said, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And that's what we need today. Hear ye him. Not all the other voices of this world. But notice what the dove did, uh, symbolic of symbolic of the Christian and of Christianity and of the Holy Spirit. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto, unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Noah had to be quite a quite an animal, uh, what is the term, animal husbandry? Well, yeah, he had to be. He was kind of a he was kind of the Doctor Doolittle of his day. Cared deeply for the animals of that time. Had to be had to love animals. Some people love animals. They work at the zoo or they work at some nature park and they just love their work. Other people can barely stand having a dog in the house. You know, we're all different and that's fine. God made us that way for a reason. But God made Noah to love animals and to care for them. And I think the same went with his sons. And the dove came in unto him came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. That is, the earth was beginning to give life once again. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth a dove, which returned not again unto him any more. She now found a place where she could live out there in the wilderness. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. You could now get out and walk. You wouldn't go ankle deep in the mud or anything. You could now get out and walk. I'm sure they were thankful to get off that ark. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Total of eight people. Some people say eight is the number of a new beginning. And that's what this was, a new beginning for mankind. Uh, the previous inhabitants of the earth, having been uh, were only wicked continually, had all been destroyed. Uh, they all still reside, if you call it that, in a place called hell today. They'll still be judged for their wickedness someday. The great white throne judgment. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. That's just what the animals have done since then. They bred and soon repopulated the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Now, now all ocean life was fine. The fish, the whales, dolphins, they were all fine. They lived in the water. When floodwaters came up, they were just fine and dandy. But all, everything that lived on dry land and had the breath of life in it had died outside the ark. I want to come down to verse 20. Verse 20 through 20, 
to what I what I believe is the first Thanksgiving service, at least the first one in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Noah was a thankful man. We think when we think of Thanksgiving, we think of the pilgrims and the Indians having a feast. That's okay. That's not that's not you know erased history books like some would do do so. Yeah. Uh, our Continental Congress proclaimed our first American Thanksgiving in 1777. We're still in the depths of the Revolutionary War, but they put out a proclamation of Thanksgiving. And many presidents since then have put out a proclamation of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. In more modern times, we have come to settle on the last, how's that thing work, the last Thursday before the last Saturday of November. That is Thanksgiving Day. This year it falls on November 23rd, just a tad early. But we have a time of Thanksgiving, a special day we put aside to be thankful to God for all the bounty he has given us. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't just be a, just that last Thursday in November. That's what Thanksgiving is to some people. You go to Grandma's house, eat too much in front of the football game all afternoon, saying, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> no, and should we should be thankful every day, even now. Yeah. We have a nice facility meeting today. It didn't blow yeah. away last night. Yeah. Uh, all that rain we got last night. Aren't you thankful it came last night? Wouldn't have been awful if it rained about 12 hours. Yeah. At about 9.30 this morning, we might have had real fun getting back home today. Yeah. I started down Battlefield. It was covered with gravel where it had flooded last night. So, but that didn't... But the, if the waters, but the floodwaters did abate from the face of the earth. Just <laughs> like God had promised Noah, put his bow on the cloud and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Next time it'll be a fire. He is going to destroy the earth again, but it'll be a fire the next time. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast. He's got seven of every clean beast, remember, and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Noah offered these unto God. Uh, when Noah went into the ark, he didn't have much as far as the world was concerned. When he got off the ark, he owned the world. But understand, it was a drastically awful place. Being ravaged by the flood, all the great cities were gone. Whatever they had in the way of a civilization was destroyed. All the great forests, the places of great natural beauty were gone. They were destroyed. But it was all his. And he made an offering unto the Lord. He praised God from whom all blessings flow. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. This time he said, God will not, uh, he said, I'll not curse the ground anymore. Yeah. Frankly, I don't think the earth would stand much more of that, yeah. considering their decline in our lifespans and everything. God said, I've done all that I'm going to do. Next time it's just going to be a fire, just burn it up. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. You ever have to teach a baby to lie? One, two-year-old kid, no. Remember many years ago, I saw one of these funniest video programs on TV. This little boy, he was two, maybe three, had gotten into the chocolate chip cookies and smeared chocolate all over his face. And they asked him if he had ate the cookies. No. Are you sure you didn't eat any cookies? Oh, no, I didn't eat any cookies. He's got chocolate all over his face. Yeah. That comes natural, don't it? Mm-hmm. Or it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right. Well, it's not the shadow. No, it's the Savior. The Savior knew, and the Savior knew before he created the world. Revelation 13, I think it's 8 or 18.1, says that he is that lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah. From that day when he said, let there be light, he knew he would have to come down to a place called planet Earth to die for us. Mm-hmm. He already knew what Adam and Eve would do. When God had to confront them in the cool of the garden that fateful day, did he, was he looking for them? Adam, Eve, where are you guys at? No, he knew exactly where they were. Yeah. When he started asking them all these questions, what have you done? Why hast thou done this? It was to make them think about what they did. Yeah. He already knew. He wasn't confused and, and mystified. God's never confused and mystified. Mm-hmm. 
but he knew. But he also knew that a man called Noah would find grace in his eyes. Thus God's plan would not fail. If God had to just utterly destroy the human race, that means he would have been a failure. It's what Moses prayed when God said, I'll destroy the nation of Israel and make a great nation of you. And Moses said, no, the people will just say you brought them out into the wilderness to destroy them. Right. That was God testing Moses, and God knew how the test would turn out, by the way. Uh, any any decent lawyer will tell you if you ask a question in a court of law, you should already know the answer. <laughs> you don't want it. That's not what you want, some big, big ugly surprise. Well, if a lawyer can figure that out, don't you think God already knew? Oh, yeah. Well, of course. And God knew what would come of Noah. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Genesis 8.22 And while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Until such time as he comes to personally take over this world, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, these things will not cease. We'll have summer, we'll have winter. We had hot weather this summer, had a lot of triple-digit days. We're having nice weather now, the rain notwithstanding, but we have nice temperatures at least. We'll soon have winter time. We'll have snow, we'll have ice. Or we're going to have church today, well, the roads look bad, all this business. But then springtime will come around again. That's right. And I want to go down to verse... Yeah, I want to come down now to verse 8 of chapter 9. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, that is your descendants, your posterity, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all them that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. That's how we know this was a global flood. We've seen a lot of local floods since then, regional floods. We've seen the Mississippi over, you know, bust its banks and bust levees and stuff. We've seen stuff like that. So if this was not a global flood, that means God's broke his word many times. Right. No, there's been many local floods since this time. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And how often have we seen at the end of a violent thunderstorm, the sun comes back out, and what do you see where the storm's you know, going away? You see a rainbow in that cloud. A reminder, God's not going to send any more storms to destroy the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So we see in Genesis 8 the first Thanksgiving service recorded in the Bible. Noah got Noah disembarked from the ark. His family did. And being the head of the household, head of that family, now the only family on the earth, he sacrificed one of every seven clean animals. That's an act of faith. You've only got seven sheep on the face of the earth and you sacrifice one to God. That is an act of faith. But this is what Noah had. He had faith in God. God had seen him through the violent years of the pre-flood world. It got more violent and destructive and dangerous. 
Uh, God saw him through the construction of the ark. I'm sure he had a lot of ridicule. A lot of people showed up to make fun Amen. and to ridicule him and to make light of him, building a boat on top of a hill. Who ever heard of something like that? Water's going to fall out of the sky. Well, that's stupid. It came up out of the ground. You know, they had a mist that watered the earth. But that day came when the majority was wrong. And by the way, uh, this book gives democracy two black eyes and a bloody nose. The majority's always wrong. They were wrong in Noah's day. They were wrong in Lot's day. Uh, they were wrong when when uh, Pilate had an election. You remember that? He presented Christ on the one hand and Barabbas on the other. And being the politician he was, he thought, well, they'll go for their you know, their leader and I'll be off the hook. What did they do? They said, give us Barabbas and let the blood of this just man be on our heads and on our children, which is exactly what happened. No, democracy gets a black eye in the Bible. And before anybody else starts in, Remember, America was not set up as a democracy. She was set up as a republic. Right. They are two different things. Right. There's a superficial resemblance. But in a democracy, it's just mob rule. 51% of the people basically vote to plunder the other 49%, and that almost always leads to violence and bloodshed. In a republic, you have certain enumerated powers. The government can do this, that, and the other, but they can't do these other things. That was why our founding fathers went to so much trouble to set up a system of divided government. It often gridlocks better that than just a government that steamrolls yeah. and that's something we don't seem to see mm. but God said this <clears throat> that coming back to Thanksgiving we should be thankful that uh, Noah, we should be thankful for Noah without him we wouldn't be here today right. and we should be thankful of the example he set the ark was a picture of the salvation of God and of course be thankful to Jesus Christ himself after Thanksgiving they have what they call Black Friday I have no use for that thing I remember last year I went up to St. Louis, had to go work the day after Thanksgiving. Got up there one of the big malls in St. Louis. Traffic was back up down Ballast Road, down Manchester Road, and back out onto 270 trying to get into the mall. I said, thank you, Lord, I'm not in there today. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not thankful today. I want to come over to uh, contrast the thankfulness of Noah with uh, our era. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. Page 1875, your Bible's like mine. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. We talked about how in the last days it would be like Noah days, and I think we've come there. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. They've arrived, haven't they? Not safe any worse. I was was coming down this morning listening to uh, Brother Abel's on the radio, KSGF, and he talked about how 25 years ago Springfield was a safe city. Didn't have hardly any crime. Murder was a absolute sensation right. you talk about now you, you have all kinds of crime and violence in Springfield people break into your stuff I think he said it was, he had a had a trailer somewhere it had a camera on it thieves pull up the, this trailer early one morning they get out hi how you doing they break into the trailer and steal the stuff yeah. perilous times have, have come indeed mm-hmm. for men shall be lovers of their own selves and they are aren't they yeah. covetous boasters Covetous means you want the other guy's stuff. Boasters, proud, blasphemers. And we see it all today. I'll never forget just before COVID really broke bad three years, almost four years ago now. Michael Bloomberg was running for president, and he said, if there's a God and if there's a heaven, I'll just walk in and take my place when I die because I've earned a place in heaven. Mm. Yeah, he said this. He was on TV. Can you imagine that? That's proud. That's blasphemous. Is it not? Heaven is not like the United States of America where 
you can just sneak in anytime you want. Right. Heaven has certain rules of right and wrong. Our Lord keeps books in heaven. Revelation 21, how the book of life was opened and the books were opened, of all the deeds done by men. And only the names of those found in the Lamb's Book of Life will enter heaven. If you're not in the guest book, you're not a guest. Amen. That's simple. But men shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unthankful. Just the reverse of what we're supposed to be. And especially ironic in a nation like the United States of America. Because Thanksgiving is such a uniquely American holiday. Right. A special day we take off to be thankful for all the good things we have in this life. But today, yet, as a whole, we're unthankful for all that we have. Yeah. And the world is like that. They're unthankful. Undoubtedly, they were like that in Noah's day, when the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. They were unthankful. Without natural affection, truce breakers, it means you can't keep their word. Mm -hmm. Do any governments on the face of this earth keep their word? No, they sign treaties. They're not worth the paper they're written on. Yeah. Uh, well, that matters. Ask an American Indian. Does the great white father keep his word? No. Time and again, he was mercilessly cheated. Now, to put that in context, before the white man came, the Indians stole land from each other. You know that too, don't you? Yeah. You know, see, they were unthankful and unholy too. Yeah. Without Christ, you don't. Have, without Christ, you can't. You can't do it. And no, you can't fake it till you make it. Right. That won't work. Right. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers. We've seen that a lot. Somebody point the finger and scream, you know, some heinous charge great child molestation it turns out to be false but they've already destroyed a person's life career yeah. reputation incontinent without self-control fierce despisers of those that are good they're people that hate us because we came here this morning yeah. how do they come and have church I no doubt they prosecuted Noah in the same way in his day or persecuted I should say how dare he build that ark how dare he say that we're, we're such wicked people yeah. how dare Noah tell us that this flood's going to come and kill us all we're not that bad why I never killed anybody except they had it coming to them, you know. You right. used to match. Could you imagine going back and talk? If you could go back in time and talk to these people before the flood, mm. what they would tell you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've killed people. Just people that deserved it, though. See, I never do anything wrong. You ever hear things yeah. like that? Yeah. We've kind of come back to that today. Mm -hmm. What was this thing made the news just last week? These two teenage boys ran down a, a bicyclist, ran him down, hit him, and killed him, mm. and laughed about it and thought it was a funny thing. Thought it was way cool, man. Put it on YouTube and everything. This is the type of thing that was foretold in the book. Traitors, heady, high-minded. That's what we have today, people that sell out, that betray their oath of office. They'll put their hand on the Bible and swear to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and all this business. They might as well have a comic book. Yeah. It's just a joke to them. Yeah. Now, I think we see it coming out in our U.S. Senate, yeah. uh, the lack of decorum. We have a certain senator shows up in his hoodie and shorts. Now, apparently, they're going to just you know, throw that out the window altogether, mm. which means it's all just a joke to them. Yeah. Joke's on us, only nobody's laughing. Yeah. But ultimately, the joke will be on them because God Himself will hold them in derision in that day, yeah. and He will have the last laugh. Mm. You've heard that old saying, He who laughs last laughs best. Christ will have the last laugh on this world. He said so in His holy book. Just mm. because I can't recall the reference right now, don't mean it's not there. Yeah. It is. I want to close by saying thank you for your time. I'm thankful you showed up today. Amen. We have some concern with illness. I'm thankful for those who are watching us online this morning. Amen. And I hope that God uses this to bless you and to remember to be thankful in all things and to give thanks, not just in November, but every day of the year, to be thankful for our many blessings, first and foremost being salvation and knowing Christ as Lord and Savior 
you know that Christ takes you, the Father in his hand, the Son in his hand, and that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption, Amen. whereby we're to grieve not that spirit. Amen. Brother Boyd, you want to dismiss us in prayer? Yes, sir. Heavenly okay. Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, the privilege to assemble today. Lord, we thank you for being able to sit here, Lord, and uh, hear these truths expounded from the Word of God. These timeless truths, Lord, all 100% accurate, Lord, all, Lord, tested by time, Lord, but more important, Lord, truth from you, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for this uh, blessing, Lord, that we can trust in you, Lord, and we can know, Lord, that what you say is truth and, and is going to happen and has happened. And Lord, we just thank you now and we pray for all that's done here today all the singing, Lord, the preaching, the teaching, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we just, the glory go to you, Lord. And we pray for those that are not with us, that are sick, Lord. You just lift them up and bring them back as soon as, as, as they possibly can be back with us, Lord. And we just thank you for the many, many blessings. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your time, and you may be dismissed.